Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. We see the syphilitic shrinking obelisk. The white man's wilting dick. Of CD game show trolls, the smiling lie of the televised hive. The witches are watching with their thousand eyes. Witches are watching with their thousand eyes. We smell rotten teeth. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 58. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. We're working feverishly to get headquartered the book on the monkeys' solo careers out in February or March of 2020 in time for Beetlefest. My co-author, Michael A. Ventrella, will be attending and selling copies of it and our previous monkeys' book there. I'm doing the final edits and image placement for the TTV scrapbook. It looks really good, and I will be turning it in soon. I just got the assignment to do an article for Back Issue Magazine on Underdog. The Warren Kramer book is due back in February, and I'm still working on my own Light Up Your Life travel agency, and of course, the Mad book. This episode features an artist best known for his work on The Muppets, and the Nancy and Sluggo comic strips. Here he is, Guy Gilchrist. Okay, on the phone today I have Guy Gilchrist, and uh, he has worked on various comic strips, including one on the Muppets and on Nancy, and we'll talk about that and anything else that comes up today. So how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. Good to be with you. Thank you very much. And uh, so I guess, like I usually do, say... Tell us about yourself and how you got into doing comic strips and art artwork. Well, gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, well, do you want to go like you know all the way back to you know childhood and stuff? Or, sure, or about, sure. Yeah. Age? What what influenced you? You know what training you have, things like that. Oh well, training. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, none in the you know not much in the traditional sense, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, my mom uh, was uh, a big influence on me. Uh, uh, she was a very good artist at, uh, as a schoolgirl and won some competitions. Uh, she was a single mom, uh, and she uh, worked uh, at a diner, and she worked at a hotel. And the things that that did uh, was that, you know, we were, we were very poor, although I didn't realize it. I thought that we were rich. Hmm. Uh, it was just the way that she, uh, she framed uh, things. Uh, but, you know, wherever she would be working, uh, she would take me uh, as a baby and uh, open up uh, the Sunday paper, the daily paper, uh, and she would draw ovals, and she would show me that we could create these cartoon characters out of that, and that was how she 
managed to not get fired, how to keep <laughs> me occupied, you know, put placemats and crayons and pieces of paper in front of me. And then uh, she would let me walk down to uh, the appliance store, uh, down, uh, which was a block down this, this little town uh, street, Main Street in Winstead, Connecticut. And uh, we didn't have a TV at home. So uh, she would let me go down there. She would take me down there and uh, at 4 o'clock every day. And I would watch the Woody Woodpecker show that was hosted by the great Walter Lance. Mm -hmm. And Walter would very often come on and draw the same sorts of ovals that she did and then show us kids how he made these cartoons with all these folks that he had working for him and i would look at that and say well this is what i'm going to do wow. and uh <laughs> and walter uh was a huge influence on me you know one of the things when when i said uh the way that mom framed things for instance, we couldn't go to the movie house uh, to see Peter Pan. We just didn't, she didn't have the $2. So for 19 cents, she would buy me a Woody Woodpecker coloring book that Walter put out teaching us how to draw, the easy way to draw, or she would buy the golden book of Peter Pan, and she would tell me that once we saw the movie and how beautiful and wonderful that would be and she would describe the the experience being in the movies but then she'd say you know but guy then we'd want to take the movie home with us and look we have it right here and so we would draw the book and read the book and it would become ours huh. uh, that's a huge influence on me uh seeing how drawing and you know, uh, reading reading cartoons first, uh, and reading the books first, and then seeing how they were put together, and realizing that I would have that I could have a chance to make people happy mm -hmm. the way that these things did. That was everything to me. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was about ten years old, we had a TV by then, mm -hmm. and I was home from school. And Walter Lance was on the Art Linkletter show. Art Linkletter show was a talk show on in the middle of the day. And they always had an address where he would, you know, you could send, uh, you know, funny stories and things like that. And so now I had an address to write to Walter Lance. And so I worked very hard for a couple of months, the way I remember it, and sent a bunch of my artwork to him. And he wrote me back. Ooh. I know. I mean, uh, and there was this beautiful full-color, uh, you know, mailing label. And then inside was a letter with Woody all in full-color on a little white horse with the big lance. And it said, Dear Guy, you have a lot of talent for a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> and you try so hard. And if you never give up, I believe that someday you are going to be a successful cartoonist, sincerely, Walter Lance. And oh my gosh, I mean, I was a nothing, you know, and he believed in me, and that meant the world. Wow. And uh, that was really the impetus for all of it. Mm -hmm. 
but like you said, you were basically self-taught, or I guess you were taught by the television screen, I suppose, by Walter, but <laughs> so, so you had well, an innate yeah, talent, well, or did you ever go to classes later? Uh, well, what I wound up doing, Mark, was, uh, well, I, I, uh, I got a job uh, as like a paraprofessional, as I, I guess is what you would call it, um, when I was about uh, in fifth or sixth grade, uh, we were uh, we were living in West Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, they had this amazing uh, graphics department in the basement of the high school, and it was like an advertising agency, and they would do work for the Board of Ed. Mm. And so I went down there and basically worked for... Uh, art supplies uh, and every once in a while got a couple of dollars but it was mostly art supplies and so I wound up at you know uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old for several years uh, working in this like ad agency Hmm. and so I learned uh, design and uh, you know got a hold of a camera where I could animate and all of that sort of thing and so uh uh, and I was, you know, pushed to create a, a portfolio. And I was really young, but I was pushed to create a portfolio. And I lived uh, within a uh, couple of hours by train from New York City. And so I made portfolios, and I would go to New York. And I went to the very first, uh, or the second, I'm sorry, uh, Comic-Con there ever was, a Phil, Phil Suling's Comic-Con mm-hmm. in the um, uh, early to mid-'70s and uh, started showing my artwork. And I knew, you know, like the song says, if you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. It was closer, New York City was closer than LA and Hollywood, so I went there. And uh, uh, and I was showing my stuff around, and I started to learn what I needed to do to compete. Uh, And, uh, you know, and so I would go back uh, and I would buy uh, or go to the library and get uh, books on animation from Preston Blair, uh, anatomy uh, from George Bridgman, that sort of thing. And the art teachers that I had all through middle school and high school were incredible, too, because they knew what I wanted to do, and they knew that I was also writing what I was doing. It was always stories, always stories, not just art. It was the story. And you know, and so I copied all of my heroes, uh, all the Walters, you know, the Walt Disney artists, uh, Walt Kelly and Walter Lance, uh, and eventually Arthur Rackham in illustration, uh, all at the same time, you know, copying Dr. Seuss and copying, you know, all of the, the writers uh, that uh, I, I really, really liked. Um, and it, it just it just kept going. I, I loved telling stories, making people happy, trying to, uh, uh, you know, share stories, share emotions and all of that through, uh, through you know, both music and art. And it, it became uh, everything to me. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't matter how many times I got shot down. When I'd get shut down, I'd ask, well, how can I get better? Mm. And that I would listen to that. Uh, from editors and, and, you know, the guys that I was trying to work for. And then I'd go home and I'd try to get better. Mm-hmm. 
And did you get any jobs at the conventions or just the advice that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, um, I actually, uh, Vaughn Baudet, uh, who was very, uh, to most people, very strange guy. <laughs> uh, 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 he uh, had a very strange, uh, you know, appearance and lifestyle and all of that. Uh, but he had always wanted to be a Disney artist, and he gave me a lot of advice, and he shared with me some contacts at what we used to call underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also fanzines like the comic Buyer's Guide and that kind of stuff. And I got work. And, uh, you know, it didn't pay very much, and sometimes they didn't pay at all, even if they said they were going to. <laughs> but I did get work. And by the time I was 16, uh, I walked into uh, Whitman Publishing, which was the Canadian uh, arm of Western Publishing Golden Books, mm-hmm. and I got a job doing uh, some coloring books uh, for Walt Disney. Hmm. Uh, the name of the man that was the editor there was John Solardo, and uh, John uh, is was an amazing, amazing editor and artist and writer, and he ghosted many of the King Features uh, stuff uh, out of the bullpen and stuff later on, and I got to work with John when I was doing the Muppets, uh, you know, a few years later, uh, but John gave me uh, jobs uh, writing uh, uh, you know basically writing because there was no writing in them coloring books uh, for Walt Disney uh, that were focused on the the classic characters like uh, you know Mickey and Goofy and Pluto and that sort of thing uh, because I've been you know trying to draw that stuff and I guess I did it good enough that when he gave me the model sheets I'm going hey man this is like cheating <laughs> you know right. and I and I started of course I couldn't sign my name you know to any of that but I didn't have a problem with that Walt Kelly couldn't sign his name Fred you know uh, Fred Kimball could Ward Kimball couldn't sign his name uh, Frank Tom etc etc mm-hmm. so I was totally cool with that and uh, that you know and, and having gotten a couple of jobs and now working for Walt Disney Wow. I mean, you know, and I was uh, just in the middle of high school, mm-hmm. so I was off and running. Wow. Now, did that uh, transfer into any other work uh, with them, like children's books or comic books or anything else? Uh, it didn't. Um, it didn't because, uh, just probably because of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, I couldn't paint at that point. Uh. I was starting to teach myself how to paint. And uh, and that's where like you know studying Arthur Rackham and uh, and all of the great illustrators uh, like uh, uh, Nashville Parish and stuff came uh, and and also all the guys that like Gustav Tengren who painted uh, Al Dempster who painted those golden books for Disney uh, you know trying to copy them in gouache and uh, and acrylics and stuff I had a knack for that. Mm. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, eventually uh, that that all did happen. Uh, but uh, it, it also cost a lot of money to go to New York uh, and stay there, you know, for a few weeks. And you couldn't have uh, a regular job if you were doing that. And of course, I was, and I was out of the house, and I was working. So uh, the my beat really became Connecticut uh, really early on. And uh, I 
would go to the places that had money, like the insurance companies and stuff, and get work uh, from them. Yeah. And if I didn't know how to do the processes, uh, not the drawing, but the processes uh, that they needed for printing and everything, I would go back once again to those amazing teachers um, uh, at the West Hartford School System, uh, Ray Callahan and those guys, and ask them how to do it. Yeah. And so it was gradual for me. And then a really big thing happened when uh, I was about, oh, uh, just turning 22, I got a job with Weekly Reader Books mm -hmm. in Connecticut. Uh, they were about the biggest publisher in Connecticut, and I got a job trying out for a thing called Super Colonel Comics, and uh, it was uh, I was saddled with a flying piece of popcorn, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> even kidding they made a superhero out of a piece of popcorn because the name of their book club uh it was like a direct mail book club was called the popcorn bag oh but i remember I that the yeah. character yeah. and i surrounded him with funny animals that were in the sort of the walt kelly school and i created a comic book and it took off mm. and i was writing and i was drawing it and they went from like twenty-five thousand subscribers to three hundred fifty thousand and that gave me a shot at getting into the National Cartoonist Society and eventually meeting Mort Walker of Beetle Bailey and High and Lois, the great Mort Walker, a man that is as close to having a father as I'll ever have, mm -hmm. uh, sort of discovering me and, uh, and leading me to Jim Henson, wow. King Feature. Wow. Now, it says um, on your little bio here on Wikipedia, uh, that you created the comic strip Mud Pie. Was that for Super Colonel itself, or was that something independent of that? Oh, no, Mud Pie, no, Mud Pie actually began um, as my first attempt at children's books. Oh, okay. I wrote four of them and, uh, and started shopping them around uh, when I uh, was just getting out of high school in New York City, and, uh, uh, you know, and I was trying to learn uh, to paint and draw and just mixing colored pencils and pastels and, and, and paints and watercolors, all that stuff, and trying to get a job. And, uh, and I uh, eventually did. The books, uh, the Mud Pie books came out uh, gosh, uh, you know, in the early 80s, mm -hmm. and they were a big hit. Uh, they were with a, a company called Modern Publishing, mm -hmm. which was sort of a bottom-of-the-barrel kind of a promotional publisher, we called them back in the day. Um, it had taken me five years to find someone. <laughs> and but then when they came out, uh, they sold millions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, by that time... Uh, I had assembled uh, a couple of guys that were better at better than me uh, at painting, uh, and we had a little studio. And I was writing the stuff, drawing the stuff, uh, inking the stuff in color, uh, the way that they did in the old golden books. And they were a hit. Uh, the comic strip Mud Pie uh, came from uh, based on that, mm. and I had sent that to King Features. Had a little bit of interest. Uh, but I sent a lot of stuff to King Features, United, Field Syndicate, all of those guys. Uh, you know, never really had a shot and wasn't ever thinking that I was ever going to reach that, you know, that huge Mount Olympus moment of ever being syndicated. Uh, but then uh, Mort Walker kind of took care of that. <laughs> and uh, 
Mort Walker was the one who introduced you to Jim Henson then? Is that what you're saying? Uh, well... Uh, or kind of through the grapevine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, he cut right through the grapevine. He was playing golf uh, with Bill Yates, uh-huh. who uh, the editor-in-chief, the head of uh, King Features. And uh, Bill was lamenting the fact that they had had a development deal with Jim uh, to create a, a comic strip based on The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. And they had had this deal for two years, I guess, and they, uh, between them and Henson Associates, they had tried out, I guess, around 200 different people or talked with 200 different people, had many people do samples and stuff, and no one had clicked yet. And so uh, King Features was about to lose the development deal, mm-hmm. and Mort just said, uh, well, that's a, that's a frog and a pig, right? <laughs> and Bill says, yeah. He says, well, there's this kid that hangs around the Museum of Cartoon Art, I think he must live in the neighborhood. I didn't. I lived two hours away on the poor side of Connecticut, not on the rich side of Connecticut, (laughs) uh, where Mort did. But I was down there so much, and Mort had become uh, familiar with the Super Super Colonel comics and my other stuff uh, and funny animal stuff that I was doing and knew that I wrote as well. And so he suggested that Bill call me and so I tried out best I could, you know, and did uh, half a dozen finished strips in a Sunday probably and wrote some extra gags and brought them into Bill. He liked them, asked me for more, mm-hmm. and I did quite a few. And then eventually I got to go over to, uh, well, what people now call the Muppet Mansion, but uh, it was Brownstone, 117 East 69th Street, where Michael K. Frith was the uh, creative director, Jim's creative director, and I met everyone there. And I, this was a world that I had only dreamt about uh, <laughs> ever walking into. And uh, Michael was complimentary. They weren't committing to anything. Uh, they were also looking at Marie Severin, I found out later, hmm. uh, to, to, uh, to illustrate it. And she must have had a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't say no. Hmm. And so for about nine or ten months, without getting paid, hmm. I just wrote and drew. Uh, while I was still doing Super Colonel and all that, I just kept going because I figured until they told me to stop, I had a shot. <laughs> and then one day, uh, the phone rang kind of out of the blue, and uh, it was Jerry Jewell, the head writer of The Muppets, and he told me I had the job. And But first he said, well, he started talking about gags <laughs> and you know some ideas he had for some stuff with Gonzo. And I'm like, Mr. Jewell, why are you calling me? And he's like, well, didn't Michael call you? Didn't Jane call you? <laughs> you had the job for a month. Oh, wow. And then I had to sit in my garage studio in Unionville, Connecticut, and talk for two hours to the head writer of The Muppets and write stuff down and just start in a conversation where I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm absolutely gone. But I have to act like I'm an adult. And this happens <laughs> all the time. You know, because Jerry was so funny. It was like, I'm going, wait, wait a minute. So this is Jerry Jewell, J-U-H-L, like in the crawl, uh-huh. um, like at the end of the show. And he's like, excuse me, boy, but I'm a very famous Hollywood writer and I don't have time for this. You know, and then he'd laugh. 
know, he knew what was going on, but, you know, but we had work to do. Right. And uh, uh, this was early in 81. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and then uh, a couple of months later, uh, Jim took a break from making uh, the uh, Great Muppet Caper over in London. Uh, and flew in on the concord to talk with me and to basically put his stamp of approval on me being Jim's first cartoonist. Hmm. Wow. So thank you, Mort Walker, <laughs> for everything. For now, everything. Now, prior to all this, did you... Mm-hmm. I assume you saw the Muppets because, you know, they were pretty prominent. Uh, But were you ever thinking of drawing those as uh, characters or anything like that? Or was that your first stab at it, as it were? Yeah, that was my first shot. There were no, uh, there was no art of the Muppets except for uh, the Sesame Street books. You know, Sesame Street started in 69. Right. So... I could go to the bookstore and look at Sesame Street books, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of them drawn by Michael K. Pritt, right. you know, who <laughs> my boss, mm-hmm. but there was nothing on the Muppets. There was no Muppet show anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I could look at, so, you know, there was this whole thing, Mark, with, okay, these characters are full color, and there's music, and there's sound, and there's these incredible voices and incredible, you know, uh, uh, guest stars and everything, and how are we going to take this huge symphony orchestra and put it into the tiny little telephone booth that was, you know, a black and white comic strip, a little tiny panel. This was all in my head, uh, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that, you know, so I had to try in my own way to take those puppets and turn them into, you know, characters, cartoon characters. And I had huge help from Michael, you know, who was the only person that was doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were several other artists, but they were in-house, and that stuff I had not had a chance to ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but with Michael's patience and gosh and Jim, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Jim's really the one where the light really, the, the light bulb truly went off. Mm-hmm. Um, because Michael uh, was having me draw them very, very close to what the puppets look like. Mm-hmm. And they even had uh, a style guide for in-house on, on how the puppets were constructed and stuff. And, of course, that was a huge help. Once they gave that to me, which was way, way, way down the line mm-hmm. when I got hired. Mm-hmm. But when Jim came in on that Saturday... Uh, and and I, I sat with him in his office, and he started telling me, he said, you know, a lot of your drawings are good, <laughs> and some of them are even great, but we want wonderful. Mm. And then he lifted his right hand, and without the puppet on there, he introduced me to Kermit. And he started talking, and of course, Jim was a really great artist, you know, went to art school and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he, on a piece of paper, drew his hand and put Kermit's eyes on them. And what this did was it showed me that they were alive, that life was going through them. And also that, you know, that to get that feeling, we had to exaggerate. And, mm. uh, uh, and it all started clicking uh, for me. You know, the first year that the strip came out, uh, because of the way that it was structured, 
uh, where that, uh, oh, and I should just explain the structuring of the strip. Um, all comic strips uh, back then uh, were done about six to eight weeks in advance and about 12 weeks on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would be printed here in the United States and then eventually translated into French and Spanish. And then the paper proofs would be sent around the world and if they needed to, you know, put them into different languages, uh, they, they would uh, as they were sold. And then the strips would come out that way in reprint form being translated. Well, Jim wouldn't have any of that. <laughs> uh, and King Peters was saying, yeah, but Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and da, da, da. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he cared very much. He just, he didn't care about the structuring. He believed that the Muppets belonged to the whole world, and he wanted the same joke that we read here in the United States to also be read in Helsinki or Hong Kong or wherever, that the same joke, the same day. Um, And they were like, you can't do this. (laughs) Well, you know, he just said, well, I I think we can, Mm -hmm. and then went off to make a movie and left Michael and I uh, with King Features to discuss this. And the, the, the upshot of the whole thing was that I really had to be about a year ahead. Oh and so I was working my tail off. And if you look at reprints and stuff of the first year of the strip, the characters changed dynamically uh, <laughs> as I'm learning you know, that I need to exaggerate more and I can animate them more. Um, and Michael was learning, you know, we were all learning. Uh, there, there really was no line art, uh, you know, before I started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and as I was doing the strip, a lot of stuff came out, the merchandising all came out and all of that. Um, and so, so, uh, I was literally working, 24-7, not sleeping at all, because by the time the strip came out in the middle of September of 81, I really almost had to be a year ahead. Wow. <laughs> so I was probably a couple hundred, 250 strips in by the time you saw the first ones in mm. the paper. Wow. Now, who who is Brad Gilchrist? Is that uh, your brother or something, or who is that? Yeah, Brad's younger brother, okay. and uh, I had uh, Brad was working with me uh, part time when I was doing Super Colonel. He was still in high school, and uh, you know and he wanted to do what I did, and uh, so I brought him on board as my very first assistant, helping me color and uh, write some jokes and stuff. So when I was contacted on the Muppets, mm-hmm. uh, of course I kept Brad on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to to do the same thing, to help me write uh, material for the strip, and also help me color the Sunday pages. Mm. Did you? So, did you split duties, or did you? Ju- you basically wrote and drew it, and he did the coloring, like you're saying. Well, he wrote some gags. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's a really he's a really good writer. He mm-hmm. became a very good writer, um, and I uh, wrote half of them, and then he wrote the other half. And uh, depending on what my workload was, uh, in the other part of the Muppet universe was all of it, besides <laughs> production. Uh, you know, sometimes Brad would, you know, write almost, you know, probably 
uh, 75% or 80% of the gag some months uh, because I was so incredibly busy also, uh, besides writing the strip and making sure the strip got out, I became like the editor as well mm. uh, because we also uh, had Muppet Show artwork that we were putting out based on the strip. And then, of course, then uh, very uh, within a year or two of that, Fraggle Rock happened, and then the Muppet Babies. Mm. And uh, oh my gosh, and oh my gosh again. <laughs> so <laughs> Brad was, you know, Brad was always a, a, a great failsafe, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, to be around. And he became a really good colorist as well. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, worked with me on painting all of the books and the merchandise and all of that stuff. And uh, he was really invaluable, you know, to have around, especially early on when, uh, you know, the world sort of showed up. Uh, you know, everything that I wanted happened that I was like, how am I going to do all of this? <laughs> so, did you know, you... it's amazing when your dream, you know, your goal you know, first you have a dream, and then you decide. Well, a, a dream's not worth much, you know, unless it's a goal, and you you know, and you you have a plan. Well, when the goal and the plan all click, mm -hmm. it's really there. Well, then it's like, well, you better dance fast, and you better dance real good, because it's all here, mm -hmm. and it's amazing you know and i'm still i was still really a young guy mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and it wasn't like uh if i blew it and you know made mistakes or missed a deadline or something the world wouldn't know about it it was like <laughs> no, you know 70 million people are gonna know oh you know <laughs> yeah they you know we all make mistakes but mine uh were in the spotlight still are now they're in antique shops and in comic book shops and all of that. <laughs> and everyone can go see Guy Grow Up right in front of <laughs> Now, did you work on other Muppet things? I think you kind of alluded to that. So did you work on books or any comics about yes. Fraggle Rock and uh, even the movie yeah. tie-ins and things like that? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't work on comic books uh, okay. because comic books... Uh, the comic book, uh, that whole thing, remember, I was doing a comic strip every single day. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, really a full-time job, unless you're nuts. And I was nuts. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, also, Jim really liked how I drew, and, he, and I understood characters very well. And so, uh, very early on in development of things like Fraggle Rock, uh, and then very early on, and the babies, Muppet babies, mm -hmm. I was brought on board. You know, Michael drew in pencil uh, because he didn't have time <laughs> to do the other stuff. You know, he was designing, he was doing this. He, he really, you know, when you watch uh, a Jim Henson production, Michael Fritz's name comes right afterwards, and that's because uh, it should. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, and so Michael always, Michael always just said, you know, use that magic brush that you have, and you know, uh, and fax machines uh, were had been invented. So he was sending me, you know, faxes of pencil drawings of the Fraggles, for instance, and saying, okay, you know, draw them, paint them, uh, you know, and for every product uh, that I possibly could, and then with the babies, uh, it was. Let's see your take on the 
because I was doing every, you know, all the Muppets as, as cartoons every day, let's see your take on all of the characters as babies. Mm-hmm. And so that was very, very early on. So yes, I was working on story arcs and, uh, you know, uh, with the characters for the whole universe, which would be passed on from the television production and movie productions uh, to the animators, to the book illustrators, uh, to the toy manufacturers, to all of that. And then I would do as much of that as I possibly could. Normally, that would wind up being merchandise. Mm. And lots and lots of merchandise. Uh, because again, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't illustrate uh, entire full color books because I was too busy mm. with everything else. I really was like Michael's right hand man. And, uh, you know, and so I was kind of all over the place. Uh, so I painted a lot of uh, the, the products and stuff that you all see uh, and you know, got when you were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did do the coloring books, however, because that was something, okay, I can draw this just like I'm doing the comics, mm-hmm. ink it just like I do the comics, and I, and I can also move the story forward without you know, taking the the month or two months out of my life and paint the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I painted a lot of covers and stuff too, uh, you know, for things that I didn't do the insides of. Hmm. So, um, I guess you had the experience previously of the other coloring books, so it just was natural, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, and coloring books were very much like you know, like the comic strip, you know, the black and white. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, so Muppets as a comic strip uh, ended in 86, I believe. And uh, was it just because it just ran its course? It seemed like it was still pretty popular, or were you just burned out? What happened then? Uh, no. Um, well, what was going on was, uh, no, I wasn't burned out. Um, I had a lot of irons in the fire, and I had uh, made up a, a comic panel of the babies and uh, drew that, wrote that up myself and everyone within Henson Associates really liked it and then I also uh, wrote and drew a couple of months of a Fraggle Rock comic Mm -hmm. and then when uh, when Muppets Christmas came out Jim's uh, and Jim had all the characters together uh, the light went off um, you see, one of the things that was problematic uh, with King Features, and, you know, for your listeners and everything, you'll have to go back to a time that maybe you weren't even around. Um, but you couldn't binge comics online, okay? Mm-hmm. So King Features didn't want stories. They also didn't want us to just break into uh, the, the strip uh, with, you know, Muppets News Flash and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, so I, uh, and the days of the story strip, like Pogo, yeah. were gone. Uh, and Gagaday strips, like Beetle Bailey and, and uh, Blondie, ruled the roost. Mm-hmm. And they wanted that to be the Muppets. Well, that really wasn't the Muppets. I tried really hard 
uh, to please both King Features, myself, mm-hmm. and my own creative thinking, but mostly Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did some really wacky and fun stuff. But once I wrote that Fraggle Rock thing, and, uh, I said, gee whiz, this is us. <laughs> this is how it ought to be, because it was a story, and it was sort of a fable. And I said, I could do this. And we brought it to King, and King really liked all of it. Um, but they did not want to mess with a, a real successful uh, formula. And my contract was up, mm-hmm. a five-year contract, and I was already, uh, I don't know, six months or something into the next year uh, working without a contract. And so, you know, creative differences, you know, found their way into this stuff, as sometimes happens. And uh, and so that was really, uh, unfortunately, the end. Mm. Um, I had been thinking all the way through, uh, not really thinking about sales, but thinking about uh, the creative that we could just morph one into the other uh, and have a comic that had all of Jim's characters in it and we could bop around uh, mm-hmm. the way that you know the way that my brain did the way that my heart did um, and uh, but that you know commercially that wasn't where King was at mm-hmm. yeah. so that's that's kind of what happened I'm surprised, but you probably didn't have any input one way or the other. I'm just kind of surprised they didn't continue with another artist or something like that, or writer. Well, Jim Jim had given me uh, one of the most amazing days of my life was a few years in, two, less than two years into the strip, uh, there was a huge approval process that had to go on that was very problematic. Because King Features was used to, you know, approving all of the gags and that sort of thing. But then uh, we also had Frank Oz, mm-hmm. Jim, Michael, and Jerry Jewell uh, approving all the gags, too. Mm. So it could take months sometimes, you know, for approvals to happen. And King's tearing their hair out, and I'm, you know, trying to make deadlines and stuff. And uh, so Jim asked me to come up to Toronto where they were filming a Miss Piggy special at Channel 9 uh, in Toronto, big studio, and they also were doing Fraggle Rock there. It was the first year or so of Fraggle Rock. And uh, Jim uh, came in for this meeting with me and uh, just took my hands into his hands Hmm. and said, you know the characters just as well as I do. The characters are yours. The strip is yours. It always has been. You go do what you're going to do. And he, and I'm going to tear up thinking about it. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for those five years or something that I was doing it, you know, Jim was seeing it all and commenting on all of it, but I was doing it. And Jim felt very strongly that this was mine as much mine as it was his mm-hmm. and so when things started breaking down um, uh, Jim uh, and I looked for other people mm-hmm. uh, to work with me on it uh, but you know we had this commercial problem and Jim just Jim just said no uh, if it's going to end it's going to end 
this is yours. And uh, I haven't really talked about that really publicly ever. Um, it was a huge, huge thing. Yeah. And when I would be in his office after that, the last Sunday page that I did that I think people can see online where Kermit is uh, closing the, the theater mm-hmm. um, after the show and walking away, uh, you know, that tomorrow, you know, we'll start another show was the goodbye. And uh, in Jim's office, on his walls, he had all of his greatest achievements. Mm-hmm. And they were, um, you know, the biggest achievements there are. And on his wall, he had that original. Hmm. And when uh, they did the Muppet celebration, uh, Jim, uh, well, Dave Goals, actually, because he was Gonzo, uh, you know, talked about, you know, in the Muppet universe, they're talking about all the movies and the shows and everything like that. And they talked about the comic strip and, uh, you know, showed the sample of the comic. Uh, it was it was mine, mm. and if I if I couldn't make it make it work, and Jim understood why I was trying to make it work the way I was, um, if we weren't going to, you know, do it creatively the way that we really should, um, then I guess it's goodbye. Mm. Now, was that you know, your last no. working with the Muppets, or did you do other things after this trip with them? Oh no 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 I continued um, you know on the Muppets and the babies and all of that uh, to one extent of another until Jim passed Mm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess since you mentioned that after he passed did everything change I mean that uh, they just uh, did you not want to work for them anymore or did they not want people working for them no 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 well as uh, the last couple of years uh, the last couple of years, Jim really wasn't, uh, you know, uh, in New York very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the structure of the company had kind of changed mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he's filming a lot in London mm-hmm. and um, uh, and also uh, in Canada. And, you know, I was always uh, outside mm-hmm. of Hanson Associates. I was never an employee. I was... Uh, you know, an employee of King and then also a freelancer, you know, subcontractor of, of, of Henson Associates. And so as uh, there was uh, less call, uh, you know, for the babies and less call for uh, the Muppets because the art, there was so much artwork that was being used and reused and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was already on to, you know, many other things mm-hmm. uh, by the time uh, Jim passed. Hmm. And uh, although, although you know, we we would get together, uh, you know, I we would get together and uh, you know, a, as friends, and uh, and I was doing stuff here and there. It wasn't the day to day any longer. And once uh, once uh, uh, and and a lot of the artists that I had been working with uh, had been let go. Hmm. Uh, and associates uh, by the time you know uh, Jim passed uh, as well mm-hmm. uh, and were working as freelancers the way that I was so when when uh, when when Jim passed uh, you know uh, very very soon after uh, Michael left mm. uh, uh, Henson and 
went on to create uh, between the lines and uh, and other things right. uh, <laughs> that you know that were you know totally Michael uh, <laughs> uh, with uh, along with uh, with his friend Chris Surf. God bless Chris Surf too. Mm-hmm. Um, these are guys that just I I I can't believe I that they're my friends and I got to I got to work with these guys. Uh, so uh, by the time you know uh, by the time Jim passed. Uh, and, uh, you know, and new folks came on board and everything like that. Uh, you know, they had their own things that they wanted to do and, uh, they had their own people that they wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And I was so busy with my own characters, you know, mm-hmm. the tiny dinos and mud pie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through, you know, starting in 87 and 88, uh, and also Warner Brothers. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> you know, lots of, lots of Looney Tunes. Um, so much stuff. I was, you know, just doing so many other things, Tom and Jerry, TV and Ninja Turtles and stuff, um, that, uh, you know, that, that I, I, I would, I would drop everything, you know, to do any Muppet related thing. Uh, it's just that mm. there wasn't that much. Mm. Good. We will be back after this message. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics in Mountain View and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <laughs> The Fun Ideas Podcast is made possible by listeners like you and from Lee's Comics of California, selling you what your mother threw out since 1982, online at leescomics.com. And now back to the Fun Ideas Podcast. Well, I do know as a fan, you know, things are changing, that even if Henson survived, it might have been dramatically different because he was selling it to Disney, and he, and he was kind of moving away from, like, the Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear-type characters to more, like, dramatic, realistic Muppets, like the Storyteller and Dark Crystal and things like that, so, you know. Well, you know, he always, he, you know, that was, that was always on his mind, but he was never going to uh, leave, you know, Kermit and Piggy behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I think the... Well, I, I kind of know. Uh, as we talked about this a lot. Um, Michael, myself, Jim Mahan, and uh, and Jim. Uh, that, you know, Jim Henson, because I don't want to mix the Jims up. There's Jim Mahan, too, and Jim and I did so much stuff together. Uh, he's right. Henson. Um, Jim Henson uh, really looked up to Walt Disney mm-hmm. and loved how... Uh, the Disney characters uh, stayed on in perpetuity uh, and were alive for everyone after well passed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so you know, the produ- his last production, Muppet production, was Muppet's Vision, you know, Muppet Vision 3D. Right. And you know, and was in, in the process of working out, you know, an agreement where uh, the the Muppets would be represented. Uh, you know, at, at Disneyland uh, and Disney World, uh, so that they would always, you know, be there, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, you know, but 
remember, I mean, the last, you know, I mean, the last month of production was pretty close to when, you know, when he passed. Uh, I, he had no intention, you know, of ever abandoning, you know, Kermit and Rolf off the dog. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know that, that's his heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but being the visionary that he was and the, you know, just the constantly changing artist, yeah. he wanted to continue to move uh, the art form right. of Right, which is just like Walt did, you know, Walt Disney. So, you know, because Walt didn't stick with Mickey Mouse, he eventually uh, went into feature films and live action and uh, TV shows and the Disneyland and all that stuff. So, yeah. (laughs) Very much the same thing, Mark. Very, very much the same thing. You know, I mean, when you're you're a creative guy um, or or girl, uh, you know, you're... Yeah, you know, you and 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 you have something that is so beloved. Mm-hmm. It, well, you're always going to do that because you know that's the horse you rode in on, and your and all of your you know youthful hopes and dreams and everything are with those characters, and you're always going to do those characters. But creatively, yeah. you're wanting to push yourself. You're not wanting to stay in the same place. None of us do. Right. And yeah, I can even speak for myself. I mean, I used to just do writing, and now, now I'm doing this podcast, things like that. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so, <laughs> trying to explain. Yeah, but the whole the whole thing of, uh, you know, selling the Muppets and yeah. everything to, you know, to Disney, you know, that was, you know, that was Jane, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the family. You know, uh, I don't know, I don't know if Jim had stayed with us. Uh, if that would have been the case, hmm. I just I, I will never know. Right. Um, so I was going to move on to Nancy, but I wanted to know what you did between Muppets and Nancy. It sounds like you did quite a bit. So if you can touch on a few projects you work on, you mentioned Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes and things like that. So were you sure. just doing various freelance things over those uh, years? Well, uh, the main thing that I did uh, right out of the box um, uh, was. Uh, uh, I uh, sold a property uh, to, I had a property called Tiny Dinos, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a book and toy property uh, that was eventually going to become a CBS television show. That part never happened, mm-hmm. but the other stuff certainly did, mm-hmm. and we sold millions of copies of uh, the Tiny Dinos uh, books, and that was in the uh, mid to late uh, 80s, like 87, 88, 89. And, uh, you know, and children's books was just a wonderful place for me. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I love paint and I love telling stories. And, uh, you know, and, and being a dad myself, uh, this was just, this, this had always really been uh, my dream. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I was doing uh, an awful lot of that, the Mud Pie books and the Tiny Dino books. And they were really selling well. Uh, and my connection with Warner Brothers, uh, starting in about 85, uh, came from Warner Brothers decided that uh, they wanted to compete with Disney in amusement parks. Mm. And so I got a phone call uh, sometime in the mid-80s saying, hey, uh, you know Bob Clampett, and uh, you you've done some work, uh, you know, for Chuck Jones. Uh, you know, oh, you ever draw Bugs Bunny? 
Well, I, I can. Okay, let's see. If, let's see. Let's see if you can. And I did, and uh, uh, submitted it. And then they started telling, explaining to me, uh, the licensing uh, group, uh, LCA. Uh, that was the that's licensing uh, for Warner Brothers um, in New York. They started explaining what they were planning on doing, which became Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing drawings, uh, you know, connecting the characters to different rides and all of that. And then again, doing like coloring books and stuff of the characters. <laughs> and they really liked what I was doing. And then they asked me to fly out to L.A. and possibly move to L.A., um, which I. Kaboshed. I said, nah, I can't do all nah, I'm not going to do that. But I did go out, and Robert McKimson had passed away, of course, of quite, quite a bit before this, but Robert's crew uh, was still around. Um, there was no uh, animation department except for those guys in-house. Mm-hmm. I went out and trained uh, with Bob uh, that uh, Robert McKimson's uh, assistant uh-huh. uh, and his crew and learned how to draw the characters and then came back to uh, the East Coast and became the guy hmm. uh, uh, to uh, to draw Looney Tunes and that manifested itself in uh, you know like the 50th anniversary uh, birthday of Bugs Bunny and stuff mm-hmm. uh, in the late 80s we did the thing called Looney Tunes Library and uh, with uh, Walden Books I think it was and I toured that and all of that. Um, and uh, we did, you know, just gazillions of books where we were doing, taking all of the seven-minute shorts and then turning them into, you know, books of Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner and, and uh, Fargo and Leghorn and Tweety and Sylvester and all of that. And uh, these were all, you know, full-color airbrushed books, and they were hugely successful. And the Tiny, uh, Tiny Tunes was happening at the same time. I wound up doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isabel Miller, who had been the uh, head of licensing at uh, Henson, went to work for Ted Turner Mm. when Ted Turner bought MGM, and then she brought Tom and Jerry to me, (laughs) and I uh, ran Tom and Jerry licensing and merchandising and uh, all of that, and, you know, created uh, new style sheets, uh, model sheets and style guides and all of that based on uh, all of the original stuff that had been lost over the years. Uh, so I was doing an awful lot. <laughs> and, uh, the, oh man, the Ninja Turtles showed up and that was fun. <laughs> uh, and I, so I was doing all of that. And uh, also, uh, my own characters, the dinos, mm. uh, had found success in all places, uh, Tokyo. Mm. And, and uh, so I went to Tokyo and uh, uh, did some work over there, wound up creating the mascot for uh, the Olympics over there for soccer, for soccer, and uh, came back and, uh, you know, now I was all of a sudden doing sports mascots and stuff, and I wound up working with Major League Baseball. And I was doing all of this stuff, uh, and then the phone call came in uh, about Nancy. Hmm. So I was pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know about like yeah, I don't know, like forty books, and, you know, uh, five or six television shows, yeah. and a couple of movies, and you know, just kind of kicking it around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I always say, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm the, 
I'm the bozo in the room. You know, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I was always around. Yeah. Uh, and I drew fairly fast, and I guess pretty good. And because I'm a writer, mm-hmm. uh, I always delve into the personalities of the characters and the universe itself, mm-hmm. and then try to find my place in it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so. Uh, and I didn't miss deadlines, and I would just hire more people, you know, the more things that we were taking on that I really loved, so that we could do all of these things. Was like, how are you going to say no? Mm-hmm. I went the phone, said, can you draw Tom and Jerry? I said, well, how long do I have? <laughs> you know, you know what, what? Oh, I'll tell you a really funny story. Okay. So this is, how, this is how Ted Turner bought MGM, okay? <laughs> So Isabel calls me up and says, hey, God, I'm not working for a gym anymore. And I said, oh, okay. And um, uh, and she, I, I said, everything okay? She says, oh, no, it's great. She says, but I got this offer from Ted Turner. Now, this is the late 80s. You know, there's no Turner anything. Right. They, they had just started, like, CNN and stuff. And But what we knew about, you know, him at the time was, you know, he was buying a lot of things, and he bought the Atlanta Braves and stuff, you know. And, um, you know, he's sailing and things like that. And he seemed like a super cool guy. Um, and, you know, he had a television station. Um, but anyway, um, she said, um, hey, so um, Ted uh, bought MGM. Mm. And I'm like, oh, like, you mean like uh, MGM Grand, like the casino and the airline and stuff like that? <laughs> He's like, no, 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 MGM. I'm like, what? <laughs> he says, yeah. He called MGM and uh, wanted to buy Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And they said, well, sorry, uh, Mr. Turner, but you know, you can't buy that. We 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 own that. That's part of our, you know, classic film library. And he says, No, wait a minute. You own it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanna buy it. It's my favorite movie. How much you want for it? And they wouldn't sell it to him. <laughs> so he hung up the phone, called his guy and said, Go buy MGM Wow. <laughs> because he wanted to own Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and and he got it, and uh, so then he hired Isabel uh, to you know run the licensing for Gone with the Wind and uh, Wizard of Oz and all of those wonderful movies. And what they also got in the package was Tom and Jerry, and Tom and Jerry and Spike and Kike and Droopy and everything had kind of been discarded here in this country. They weren't running on TV anymore, and they the. The cartoons, I think, had been being done over in Eastern Europe. And so when they got it, of course, you know, he had a television station and stuff. And he's like, well, let's put Tom and Jerry on. And uh, But they didn't have any model sheets, any style, anything. So when Isabel called me, she said, how fast can you do this? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm on it. <laughs> and, and I mean, it just... It fell in my lap. It was like, <laughs> you draw this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to give it a really good shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that was kind of how it went, you know, with me. I mean, you know, Looney Tunes is like, uh, can you draw Bugs Bunny? Yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> you know, let me try. And, uh, you know, thank you, 
you know, thank you very, very much, you know, for trusting me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, I wouldn't send in anything until I felt like it was the very, very best that I could do. And it worked out. Now, if, if this is a question coming up from all this. Is there any characters you had difficult drawing or couldn't draw? That yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a if it's 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 actually a well yeah I well I, I was never good at like superhero. Okay. Um, you know which is why I think uh, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was perfect for me mm -hmm. um, because you know they were kind of Bigfoot you know yeah. is what we call them. Yeah. you know they were more animated and of course my version was way more animated than the really dark you know way that they're their origin was mm -hmm. but the segue that I was going to get into was when I got the call for Nancy mm -hmm. so David Hendon who had been uh, who was then my agent for children's books mm -hmm. uh, and had run United Features who owned Nancy he called me up and he said hey uh, Jerry Scott is leaving Nancy mm -hmm. and uh because he had just sold his second strip, uh, which was Zitz, and he was already doing um, Baby Blues. He was writing, and he had you know different artists doing the, the strips. Mm -hmm. um, but he had been doing Nancy for like nine years, eight or nine years. Yeah. And uh, they wanted someone to bring back the Ernie Bushmiller sort of Nancy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, David, I'm I'm not that guy. I mean, <laughs> that. You know, that's all pen and stuff, and you need a ruler, and I, you know, I don't know. He's just, well, you know it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, can't you try it? And I'm going, I don't think so, David. It doesn't stop really up my alley. And so anyway, we got off the phone, and I had some reprinted proof sheets in my uh, files mm -hmm. of Nancy. And... Uh, so I tried to draw and ink them, and I was terrible at it. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm getting mad. I'm like, I kept trying, and it wasn't looking right. I'm going, hey, you draw Disney, you draw Warner Brothers, you draw, you know, Hannibal <laughs> Bear. You can't draw these characters? Are you kidding? Come on, this is all my inner dialogue. And I'm all by myself. And, and so for about a week, that's all I did. <laughs> I, I started like anybody else would. I just started tracing them. I'd like blow them up on the copier and I started tracing them. <laughs> going like, I'm going to figure this out. You know, how do you turn this around? How, let's do a turnaround. Let's do this. Let's do that. So I started in. And about a week later, I called, uh, called David and I said, Hey, David, I got six dailies and a Sunday page uh, for that Nancy and Sluggo project um, he goes I thought you weren't going to do it and I said well when I found out I couldn't do it that's when I tried <laughs> he goes I don't believe you he says hang on a minute he calls United and he says well nice work genius they already got somebody and I went oh okay and uh, he said, but do me a favor, send it over, uh, because I'd like to see what you did. And I'd like to show them that maybe, you know, you could do that style. He says, is it any good? And I said, well, 
I tried. <laughs> and anyway, I, uh, he said, okay, well, FedEx him to me. I FedEx him to him. The next day, he got an appointment with United. He called me up five minutes later. He says, you got the job. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know who this other guy was. He says, but they gave you the job. Yeah. He said, uh, they, they really like it. He said, by the, and he says, by the way, I got a contract here, and you got to sign it. I'm FedExing it to you because we're right on deadline, and those are going to run in the paper. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I thought I'd have like six months or something. No, 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 no. They were like, you know, right on deadline. And uh, so I started. Huh. But that was the, uh, Nancy was the thing that drove me up a wall. <laughs> I couldn't draw. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, of course, then you continued to do it for quite a long time until pretty recently. I mean, uh... 20, almost 23 years. Yeah. And, uh, I never knew why you left the strip. Was it your choice or was it chosen for you? <laughs> well, um, well, uh, a little of both. Okay. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh the main reason, uh, that I left, uh, was... For about five years, uh, for about the last five years I was doing it, I was trying to find uh, assistance uh, uh, to help me with it. I had used, you know, assistance here and there uh, because, you know, you can't do 365, you know, plus write children's books and everything else. And, um, uh, and I had a really heavy schedule. But unbeknownst to me, all I knew was I had a really bad back. That's mm. all I knew, and that my knees were not good. And um, uh, but what it turned out was that I uh, had a back disease, mm. uh, and it won't go away. It's called uh, spinal stenosis, mm. and uh, what it was doing was uh, it was disintegrating my discs and uh, and paralyzing me. Mm. And that's exactly as scary as it sounds. Mm, yeah. And uh, so I was having a lot of difficulty uh, with uh, the deadlines, and uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to quit. Although part of me did, because uh, I've been doing it for so long, longer than I had done any other project. Right. Uh, but the day-to-day -day production was just something that. If I could have had six months off to a year, uh, had, you know, somebody else do it or something and then come back to it after the doctors had successfully done the surgery, which happened in May, uh, and everything is great. I mean, I'll never have my discs back or anything like that, but, you know, but I'm back to, you know, pretty much where I, you know, where I would like to be uh, at 62 years old. Uh, working every single day, but but those last couple of years uh, on the strip, as things got worse and worse and worse, uh, you know, it was a very difficult uh, thing for me to do. Mm. So it was a mutual decision. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I just figured I ask you directly because I hear things. You know, the rumor mill goes on around. It's like, oh, there was a falling out or something. You know, I didn't know. You know, it's like I was just curious. You know, now. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, no, I, I you know, the, uh, uh, if I had been, uh, you know, if I had been, you know, universal and, uh, you know, I had just, I, I had the greatest editors, just the, the greatest.
greatest editors. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and uh, they're they're all so respectful and so wonderful to work with. But I was having a real tough time, uh, you know, uh, you know, hanging on to the deadlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did, you know, they did what they, you know, they did really what they had to do. Hmm. So that brings us to the present. Uh, I assume you're still working on various projects, just not a daily comic strip. So what are you doing currently? Well, last, uh, this past year, uh, I wrote and illustrated a coloring book. Hey! <laughs> uh, I, I, back to coloring books, I never realized that was the uh, common thread. Uh, but anyway, I uh, created a character uh, named Buddha Bear, mm-hmm. uh, a company called Backpack Buddha that uh, I just kind of fell in love with online. I loved uh, what they were doing. They were giving a percentage of everything that they were making uh, to uh, to impoverished children and villages and stuff. And I was like, wow, I really like these guys. Um, and uh, uh, they reached out to me uh, and said, gee, you know, would you like to do something with us? And so I created a brand new universe of characters, uh, Buddha Bear and then all of his friends. And we put that book out in a plush, and that came out late uh, late last year mm-hmm. and has really blossomed this year. And, uh, and I'm also uh, uh, co-writing and illustrating a book uh, for publication next year called Mythological Creatures Make Bad Pets. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and this is just going back again to, uh, you know, to my uh, children's book roots. And, uh, you know, and I love drawing, you know, dragons and griffins and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, then there are two other book projects, a, a superhero character and, uh, and a project uh, that, is, uh, that, that we're doing uh, on spec uh, for television and books about uh, the human body and trying to explain uh, the human body uh, to children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's a blast you know, creating characters for that. <laughs> and I literally... You know, the minute that uh, you know, the minute that I basically came out of surgery uh, at the beginning of May, uh, there have been all of these projects uh, just you know, again, dro- just sort of dropped in my in my lap, and uh, I'm having an absolute blast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the other thing too is uh, one of the reasons that walking away from Nancy. Uh, was okay with me uh, was that, you know, I had made a promise to Jim a very long time ago, almost 40 years ago now, it's hard to say, mm-hmm. uh, that I was his cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, I hadn't, you know, been doing a lot of that uh, with everything else that I was doing. And so I felt like, you know, being freed up a little bit, I'd be able to uh, return to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I've been on tour a lot, uh, you know, going to Comic-Cons mm-hmm. and doing uh, motivational speaking and screenings of uh, the Muppet movies and things like that, and doing Q&As, uh, and uh, revisiting all of those wonderful characters that are still so alive, you know, in my head mm-hmm. and in, in my right hand. And, um, and I'm absolutely loving that. 
too many of us uh, <laughs> around, uh, and uh, that you know that worked uh, very closely with Jim. Right. Uh, that are out there uh, visiting with uh, with folks, and you know when you're in production uh, and chained to a table, a drawing table, or chained to a, a sound stage, you know you can't do that sort of stuff. And because uh, you know you're busy, you have deadlines, you have a television show, you have a comic strip, you have the products, you have whatever. Um, and so now I can do that. And uh, you know, Carol Spinney, God bless Carol, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Carol just retired right. uh, two weeks ago from doing uh, public appearances um, uh, for the foreseeable future, anyway. And uh, so you know, Steve Whitmire. Uh, is uh, you know is touring as well, mm-hmm. and I'm touring, and, uh, and you know it's some of the voices of the babies and stuff like that are touring as well. But uh, there there are only a couple of us that worked with Jim uh, all the time, uh, and we can get out there because you know it's wonderful that the characters that Jim created, uh, Jim's characters are you know are around in perpetuity. But I think that maybe even more important is that Jim's character, his personality, his love for everyone, mm-hmm. his kindness, his patience, uh, that that's perpetuated, yeah. and that and and that you know and that we can we can reach out and we can shake hands and we can hug and uh, you know while I've been so busy at the drawing table you all grew up (laughs) and you know you're in your 40s now and you have children of your own and you know you you know you you can't meet Jim um, except and you can't know him but you can know him through what he gave us Um, but you can come by and say hi to me and I can tell stories mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know and, and the same is uh, with Steve you know you can talk to Steve and Steve can tell you some stories and especially in this time of uh, social media and with the political climate out there where we're also polarized mm-hmm. uh, and we're being torn apart and as somebody just like Jim that you know grew up well Jim grew up in the 50s and then you know really hit it in the late 60s and I'm a decade beyond that but I lived (laughs) through you know the Vietnam War and the protests and uh, you know and uh, uh, Martin Luther King and everything that he tried to do to bring us all together and the kindness and the love and compassion that comes through in every Jim Henson property, and I hope in all of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so important to be out there. Uh, it's it's so important that uh, uh, that we that we try to understand, uh, you know, each other, and uh, and uh, and try to find. Uh, you know, love, forgiveness, and compassion, um, and equality uh, in in all of us. And just because on social media you can broadcast.
past your feelings. You can publish your feelings. Uh, you know, uh, it, and, and, and there's this polarization that blows my mind. Uh, and the perpetuation also of, you know, 24-7, 3,000 channels, you know, uh, and all of that. Um, you know, we, we need to come together. Mm -hmm. And Muppets is as good a way of bringing us together as any. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm there. And it's, I'm really, I'm, you know, I, no matter where I go, and, and in the last two weeks, I mean, gosh, I was, uh, I was just in San Antonio for Alamo City. I love those guys. Uh, you know, I'm like, so I was two hours or so or less. Uh, from Mexico mm -hmm. and uh, this past weekend I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan which is just, you know, a, a bridge drive to Canada and you wouldn't think that you know, and, and uh, gosh, you know if you just thought of it on the surface uh, you know, that's that's a whole country away uh, from each other but you know what? Everybody loves the Muppets mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody loves Muppets, and and everyone is you know is struggling with these things that I was just talking about, and you know wanting us to you know come together. Yeah. And um, uh, and so I see it, and I I get to see it now uh, all the time. You know mm -hmm. when I'm on tour, and uh, the love that's out there yeah. for all of these wonderful characters that I've had a small part in uh, is just, uh, I treasure it. Right. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad uh, things you're not doing, but also keep the Muppets in the public eye. I just bought a DVD yesterday. It's 50 years and counting, and it's like the best Sesame Street skits with Muppets <laughs> for 50 Yay! years. You know? you know, so it's like everybody's doing their part, which is great. You know, they're not forgotten. So, and Jim's not forgotten. So, <laughs> oh, we had, some, yeah, we had such a fun time. Uh, I saw Carol uh, at the end of February. Mm hmm. Uh, we did a you know, we did a reunion uh, in Detroit at uh, Great Lakes Comic Con mm -hmm. uh, with uh, myself, Carol, and uh, uh, and Bob, uh, and quite a few of the guys uh, from uh, Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what was really really fun too was uh, Mr. Speedy uh, Delivery uh, from Mr. Rogers uh, was there as well. Wow. And we're all able to, you know, be in a row, uh, kind of representing kindness. Yeah. And uh, that was mind blowing. And you know, I've known Carol. Carol and I met at Jim's Christmas party uh, at one seventeen East Sixty Ninth in eighty one. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Carol, you know, many people know that Carol is an amazing Renaissance man. He's a great illustrator and cartoonist. Yep. As well as everything else, mm -hmm. and so he immediately uh, came over and introduced himself, and of course I was blown away. <laughs> and I uh, and we exchanged drawings and stuff, and then we kept on doing that throughout all of these years. And so it was great to be with him again. Mm -hmm. And had it not been, you know, for the comic cons, uh, he and I might not, you know, have been seeing each other because I moved from Connecticut. 
uh, gosh, almost 15 years ago now, uh, to Nashville, mm. and he's still in Woodstock. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and 117's not there. Yeah, well, it's there, but it's not Henson anymore, and they're out in California. Right. So we wouldn't have been seeing each other, but we, you know, we were able to have a reunion pretty much every year, you know, on tour. And now it's up to me to get to his farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I met Carol at a show a few years ago, and yeah, he was a sweetheart, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Nobody better, man. Yeah. Nobody better. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess that kind of wraps things up. Uh, uh, what projects do you want to plug? What websites do you want to plug? How do people contact you? What do you want to say? <laughs> uh, well, uh, we've got we've got a great uh, website called A Guy Gilchrist Production. Mm-hmm. I named it that A Guy Gilchrist Production because of Walter Lance A Walter Lance Production, <laughs> uh, and that's the uh, that's the website, and that's also uh, the Facebook page, and uh, you can reach me at both of those, and then also I'm very uh, you know and I'm, I'm on social media uh, with Instagram and Twitter and stuff, and if you look my name up, it's Guy F for Francis Gilchrist Guy. It's just Scott Gilchrist on, on Twitter. <laughs> um, but anyway, come and say hi and uh, uh, and see how full of artwork my dude, if you could ever see this giant drawing board I have. You know, it's like it's like five by six, this huge board. And then I've got about, you know, uh, 12 inches by 12 inches or something like that where I can put the piece of paper because of all of the projects and all of the art supplies and everything that are just piled up over here and coffee cups of course um, so yeah please uh, you know uh, get get in touch with me there and uh, if you go to uh, either of the uh, either the website or the Facebook page uh, right there where you uh, where you come in uh, you'll see the tour schedule okay. where I'm going to be uh, and uh, I'm always going to be somewhere <laughs> so you make it out to uh, west coast as well as all over the nation yeah okay. i was uh, uh let's see i was just in la uh, at the uh, okay. at uh, comic-con la okay uh, about a month or so ago oh my gosh there were like ninety thousand people there or something <laughs> and wow wow and wow again and um Gosh, you know who I got to meet um, in San Jose mm-hmm. uh, uh, in August. That was actually my first con after I had the operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to, uh, you know, move around and travel again. Uh, I flew out to San Jose and did uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, and it was really cool. I met uh, Steve Wozniak. Wow. Yeah, that was neat. I've met him too, actually. (laughs) Isn't he a cool guy? Yes. San Jose, I used to live in San Jose, so that's my area. In fact, I was at that show, but unfortunately couldn't talk to you because I was busy working myself, so I didn't have a chance to get well, around. Well, we much. were, yeah, well, Mark, and I'll tell you, we were about three deep for three days. Yeah, yeah. You know, at, that, at that show. But, um, and, and that's kind of the, the one bummer, uh, the one bummer um, is that unless we schedule a dinner yeah. or something after those after those cons uh, at night uh, 
you know, I don't get to hang, and we don't get to hang together, you know? Right. Um, because you you really are there for the fans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly, I mean, I, I wind up, you know, telling stories and doing the panels and everything, but really, if you're at my booth, it's a panel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're, I'm just gabbing, gabbing, gabbing. You, you can tell I'm very, very, you know, introverted and you can't get <laughs> Since, you know, you've got five words in this whole time that we've been talking. Well, I like to let my guests talk. People like that. You know, it's like, you know, if you're saying something interesting, why interrupt, you know? But I will say a Wozniak story. I will interrupt here. Um, when I met Wozniak, I met him actually at the shows before, too, that we're talking about. But first time I met him, San Jose used to have these free concerts during the summer about a decade or two ago. Uh, for about 10 or 15 years now they don't have them anymore but one time I was at one of them and uh, there's this guy zipping around on a Segway and I said is that Steve Wozniak and so we went over and talked to him and you know we got his autograph and he was just there just kind of observing what's going on you know <laughs> yeah I was on my way to the green room mm -hmm. and uh, and and you know, I was on my way to the green room, and I'm walking by, uh, you know, some people, I don't even know what Steve Wozniak looks like. And, um, uh, but uh, I heard Woz, mm -hmm. and I stopped, <laughs> and I kind of waited my turn, uh, and uh, I don't even know if I got my coffee and my sandwich, uh, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, said hello to him, and... Um, uh, and you know, and he's a huge, uh, you know, Muppets fan, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, very glad that he, you know, knew of me and knew my work and and everything. And just a, you know, just a regular guy, you know, just a regular guy who happens to be like this genius. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it's it, you know, I've found over the years in all of the circles that I've been in, whether it's uh, the arts or you know, movies and TV and stuff or, or music, whatever it is. Um, when you eventually do start, you know, you meet somebody and you start chatting and they're, uh, they're at the top of their field. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just the coolest people to hang with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. You know, not because of, of, of their accomplishments. That goes, you, you've already, you know, read their Wikipedia page or whatever. Right. It's just, it's just like, you know, just how comfortable, you know, they are and what a wonderful, kind heart they have for everyone. And uh, uh, I hope I get a chance to get to know him a little bit better. Okay. And hopefully the next time you're out to a West Coast show that I happen to be at, too, I can make the effort to at least say hi. You know, it's like I wasn't able to the last time. So, but because every time I saw your table, you weren't there. That's why I was like, eh. Oh. <laughs> And then I had to get back to my table. I was working for Lee's Comics table. And it's like it was totally across the room, so I couldn't like get away very easily. So I said, "Oh well, I guess I'll talk to him next time or later." You know, it's like you know. yeah. Well, you know that um, uh, one thing that you know the the, the days are very long, yeah. and uh, the one thing that and I'm there the entire time. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, once every hour or so, uh, you know, because of my back. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to get up and walk. Yeah. Uh, for ten minutes, and then I come back to the table. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, and uh, you know, but that's why, you know, that's why Tiffany is there. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the folks.
folks that, you know, uh, Tiffany's wonderful. She helps him at almost all the shows. Okay. And, uh, you know, they're there. They're, hey, where's Guy? I'll have her right back. Okay. You just walk. Well, now that I know that, I will keep that in mind for next time. So, because I assume you're coming out to the West Coast again, either the Bay Area or up north, Washington, Oregon, or uh, Southern California. I I guarantee it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I you know I guarantee it. Uh, uh, you know I I believe that I'll be back. Uh, you know both at uh, Silicon Valley and also uh, L.A. Okay. And I've been really trying to. Um, uh, uh, to uh, to get to Portland okay. uh, for the uh, you know for that con and uh, we'll see if if, if uh, they connect you know the one thing with cons uh, is uh, that uh, you know if folks want me to be at a con or something you know reach out to the convention and uh, and say you know Jed I'd like to have a guy here mm-hmm. uh, uh, because you know they're uh, that's the only way you know really that that these things happen. Right. Uh, is that either we reach out or they reach out, and then we have to try to uh, to schedule. For instance, uh, for instance, uh, I just did uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con. By the way, if anybody ever is, you know, there uh, anywhere near uh, Grand Rapids, uh, you ought to go to that con. It's a great one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I hadn't. Um, uh, I've been uh, trying to work uh, things out schedule-wise with them uh, for a couple of years, and we finally, you know, got it on the, the third try. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, you know, just, uh, hey, Comic-Con people, hit me up. And <laughs> right. I'll try to hit you up, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll get this to happen. All right. Sounds good. And I promise, I promise, Mark, I'll... I'll, I'll try to not be taking the wolf off the next time that you you, know, you stop by the table. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, I appreciate you being a guest today with me, Guy, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Guy Gilchrist, for being my special guest. Episode number 59 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. of your lewd jeweled boob tube